Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Off the Bench with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews, the show that covers all things NRL. Yeah, welcome to it. A weekend. No Scotty Sattler. We're just looking back on the big highlights of Sports Day during the week. And boy, didn't we have some. Didn't we have some indeed. In fact, we're joined by uh, Maddie Rogers for a couple of shows during the week. He's got a book out called A Father's Son. Very good read indeed. And we got to uh, spin the wheel with Maddie. And you helped us ask him some questions. Joined by dual international survivor, contestant, author. Uh, what else? Dad. Triathlete. Dad, yeah, dad triathlete. Dad. Is there grandfather. Anything? Grandfather. Congratulations. Really? Yeah, I am, yeah. And, and soon to be another grandfather. Skylar had a little boy a year really? ago, and my son Jack. Skylar? Well, his partner's about to have a little girl. You're not yeah. even 50, Rat. I know. Mate, I, I made my dad a grandfather at 40, and I remember him saying to me, mate, I'm 40, I'm about to be a grandfather. Well, my daughter made me a grandfather at 45, but wow. it's awesome. Love wait, it. wait, S- Skylar. Skylar. The little. She's 23 now, mate. Holy She's... hell. Mate, you're getting on too, you know. Like, no, I'm not. Grey hair. And... <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know my twins are 15. I can't believe it's it. Nuts, isn't it? It is. It's crazy. Hey, listen, we're going to ask you some questions. Right. 0457 736 736. Sats has arranged some questions on the chocolate wheel. Let's go with the first one. What are we? Oh, can't ask that. Here we go. Oh, oh, here's a good one, Sats. That's rough. Okay. Now, I love hearing your story about when you first met the Queen, and we're not going to go into that entirely because it's it's a great – probably for another day when you've got a whole segment. But how did you feel when the Queen – you heard that the Queen had passed away and you were the last person to steal from her? <laughs> oh, mate. Can I tell you, I, I – I, Anthony George, cameraman for the – you yep. know, a lot of people know him in sport. He follows a lot of teams and he's just a legend of a bloke. He cut up a little piece – of me when I met her and I posted it the day before she died. Oh, wow. And, mate, the amount of messages I got saying, you killed the queen, I was wow. devastated. Have you, still but, got the, uh, have you still got the sperm no, that you I, stole I, from Buckingham? I, I, um, I, I had to give them back. I, I, I uh, yeah, it, I mean, the story's You didn't give the, them all back, I, Matt. Did you? Uh, is, is, <laughs> what's that one? It's all right, she's dead I, now. I'm not, I'm not sure if... Um, <laughs> I don't know what 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 is it that that time frame when you steal and you oh, can't get in trouble yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's over yet, <laughs> particularly right. uh, with the with the monarchy. But now I um I I did deal something from Buckingham Palace. I got caught. Fortunately, it didn't become headline news, and um yeah, I, I snuck out of the country. All right, next question, Sats. Can we take one from a from a listener? Yep. Okay. Uh, what was your? F- Here we go. Uh, Todd from Silverdale. I used to live in Silverdale. Uh, Maddie, love your work, legend. What was your first meal after leaving Survivor? Oh, I wouldn't say it was a meal. Um, I got back to the jury villa and I'd been talking on the show for the entire time about Monte Carlo biscuits. All yep. you do is think about food and they're my favourite biscuit. And um, I got back to <laughs> I got back to the villa and the production had put two packets of Monte Carlo biscuits oh, on my nice. bed and I just tore through both packets. Mm. Didn't last five minutes. It was, um, yeah, you do some eating when you come out of there. How far, additional question, survivor question. 
How, how far away is the resort from the actual from the actual uh, what do they call it camp? Uh, camp. Uh, mate, the, the the camp is it's in a really remote part of this big big island, and um, yeah, it's about forty minute drive. But when you're in the camp, you, you you could be anywhere. There's nothing around you. You can't. We I, I did sneak out of camp once, um, and we set up a little bit of a like because I knew when my, when I was coming back into camp from a challenge, I could see a pawpaw tree. So I snuck out one night and stole some balls and brought them back. But um, <laughs> there's nothing around you. But uh, yeah, any, any you, you become. I know how you know when they talk about prisoners. Yeah. Uh, when mm-hmm. they're in jail, they just become like, okay, how can I get out of here? Yep. That you, you become like that. Like everywhere you go, you're looking for food. You're looking for ways to steal it. You're looking for ways to get around production to to benefit you. It's um, it, it puts you in quite a unique mindset. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, on a deserted island with no food. Sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we go. Gav from Penrith. He says the World Club Challenge should be played in America. How's travel time for both sides? And then he goes, also, I'd love to hear Matty Rogers' memories of the 2000 World Cup. What was the go with your bleached hair? You bleached it, it blonde, uh, didn't I you? I know it was, and the reason being, it wasn't because I wanted to dye my hair blonde. I'd actually dyed it black prior to dyeing it blonde, and the reason was you ha- either had to grow facial hair or you had to shave your head, hmm. so grow a beard or a mo. I was, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't grow facial hair at the yep. time, so I dyed my hair black. I came back to the hotel and Freddie said, "No, mate, either shave it or dye it blonde because that's not going <laughs> to pass. It's nearly the same. It's nearly the colour of your hair." So <laughs> I went and dyed it blonde, and um, mate, you know what sucks? The, the the you know one of the greatest achievements in my sporting career. I'm holding up the league world cup and i've got this blonde hair and it's just a, <laughs> it's a shocker so yeah anyway mate could, did you ever again can i ask a question either every time i saw you in any jersey what what's the go we couldn't they find a, a small enough jersey but, for you mate it was horrendous wasn't it like i, I scored a few tries like back in those on. days mate, <laughs> it was like wearing a big potato sack mm. and mate that back in those days those like those heavy cotton ones remember yeah, all yeah, you used yeah. to wear and mate it'd get wet it'd weigh eight kilo <laughs> so it got me over the 80 kilo mark which was good but no i mean i i i reckon you could probably chalk up an extra 20 tries in my career had they given me a tight jersey you got ragdolled a fair bit didn't a lot you? see i remember 1999 we played as round eight i'll never forget we played Cronulla at Penrith Park. And we beat them 18-16. Nice work. But we, we, picked, we'd won seven on the trot at that point. had two, yeah, yeah. And he picked up a ball like on our try line, grubber across the field, picks up, runs 198 metres to score a try. And I remember just trying to chase valiantly and, and Robbie Beckett was chasing <laughs> it. Was. And I vividly remember being nowhere near him but looking at him from behind and going, and it looked like I had these big bat wings because the jersey <laughs> was so big from behind. I thought... What's the go with that jersey? <laughs> it was horrendous, wasn't it? <laughs> Mate, but you just think, who, like, what sporting genius came up with the idea? Let's put these yeah. guys in the thickest, heaviest jerseys yeah. and don't worry about them fitting them. They'll, <laughs> they'll work it out. Just just look up Matty, Matty uh, Rogers' tries on YouTube. Every single try he scores, he's wearing a jersey three sizes too big. Mm. Right, back to the chocolate little Okay, stats. here we go. Okay, this is a bit of a, a two-parter. I was going to ask this question also, but we've got, we've got one here from uh, one of the listeners um, in relation to Kangaroo Tours, World Cup Tours. Um, St. Boyd, 2HD, he's listening to us. Um, he says, uh, can you tell us your favourite memory from one of your tours to Great Britain? Oh, mate, they, they, were, they were amazing trips. I mean, the 2000 World Cup, the team that we had um, was just amazing. We ended up winning the tournament um, at Old Trafford back when Manchester United were at its peak. 
Um, but probably the most vivid memory is a place called Majestic Nightclub in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> the hotel we stayed in was across the road and that was like our clubhouse. We knew we had to aim up in week one against England. We played them at Twickenham. We, 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 we beat them handily, but then we had five weeks until we'd make the final. And we knew we'd be playing New Zealand in the final. So um, Chris Anderson was the coach. He said, boys, I don't care what you do. He said, but Billy Johnson's going to be training you three mornings a week. You don't know what three mornings they are. And if you don't aim up and you miss a time, there's no more going out and having a good time. So there was some, mate, the encouragement from all the boys that you'd see when some of the guys had been out and they'd rock up the train the next day and you go, oh, no, we're in trouble here. But everyone got behind each other, pushed each other to the point where um, there was a lot of bodily fluids coming out of people during those sessions, but no one missed any times. We had a wicked, we had, we had an amazing trip. Uh, we won the final pretty comfortably in the end and uh, they got to raise the World Cup trophy, which was, which was amazing. What year? It was 2000? 2000. 2000. Jeez, what were the big hits back in 2000? Well, that songs? you would have been, yeah, like you would have been. Spice Girls. Oh, you weren't cutting a move to wannabe oh, for the Spice mate, Girls, were you? You, would, you would have had glow sticks and everything. Oh, mate. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were very rarely shirts on when we in Majestic Nightclub, I can assure you. Small shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Long socks. <laughs> Rightio. Yeah. Uh, one more before we go to a okay, break. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, I like this one. This is from Azza in Goulburn. He says, your famous dad... Legend of rugby league. Can you tell us what it was like him watching you play rugby union? Oh, mate, he, he didn't watch. <laughs> he, he, he watched one game. I'll tell. I'll tell you the game he came to. I. I, I actually watched two. I, I. I booked him a ticket to come over and watch the 2006 um, final mm-hmm. against uh, against the Crusaders when the Waratahs made the final. But he came to the 2002 um, Bledisloe Cup, the game where we won the Bledisloe in You scored the winning try. Scored the try. Yep. I went up to him after the game and said, mate, what do you think? And he goes, oh, I feel like watching paint dry. <laughs> 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 and, my, and my mate, my, well, his friend and my friend, Penny, who was with him, just ripped him. He's like, mate, you, un, you bloody rude bastard, you know. And just Anyway, he goes, oh, no, mate, well done, you know. But he just, mate, despised it. Like he, he thought watching rugby, rugby union back then – was actually like watching rugby union now, mm. which is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you said to me once it's when tough. you arrived at the Titans in 2007, coming back from rugby, and it was a difficult part of your life, and coming back to rugby league, and I remember sitting down and talking to you about rugby, and you said, Sats, I only played 50 tests for my country, and I still didn't know all the rules. Mate, it's just different <laughs> for every referee you get, depending on which hemisphere you're in, northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere. It's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard work. Like you, just, you get a penalty, at a, particularly at a scrum or in a ruck or in a moor, you just got to, all right. <laughs> we had this argument with Badge, didn't we? Yeah. Like a few weeks ago saying, mate, there northern are different southern hemisphere. He yeah. wouldn't believe us that there were different rules mate, in rugby. Mate, we got penalised. We were winning the game by two points against the Wellington Hurricanes. I think it might have been two. Actually, that was 2006. 2005 went to the final. It's the semi-final. We're up by two. We get They do a short kickoff. Doesn't go 10. We get the scrum. There's, a, there's 30 seconds to go. We've got the ball. We're packing the scrum. We pack it, go to feed the scrum, and we get penalised. They kick a goal, win the game, go to the final and play the Crusaders. I'm still scratching my head about that. I'm like, why would we... Infringe here, like we have the ball. Yeah, we're we're winning the game. Like it's just. Did you see the Wallabies in South Africa recently? Nobody, <laughs> like, but you know, no nobody. It's like the, the game is so big in Europe, and yeah. the IRB just don't really give a rip about it. Like down, well they care, but I mean they're not going to change any rulings or anything down here for the sake of the game. Then hmm. all the money's made over there, so it's uh, it's tough, mate. The, the boys here suffer a little. This is off the bench NRL. We'll be back soon.
Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. The Panthers, the perfect Panthers. They've won the grand final, 28 points to 12. This brutal machine have gone back to back. Yeah, well said by Joel there. It was an amazing performance they from the They are Panthers. a brutal machine. 18 yeah. nil at halftime. It was all done and dusted. Great game. They beat the neighbours, the arch rivals in the Eels. And joining us uh, while celebrations are still going on, a bit quieter than I expected, Sats, mm. Shane the Spud Elford, uh, who's the high-performance manager at uh, the Panthers, joining us now. G'day, Spud. Hello, boys. How are you going? Yeah, really good. And by the sounds of it, you are going really well. And um, I suppose it's a different angle, Spud. Uh, I don't call him Shane. So, listeners, I'm going to call him Shane for the sake of the interview, just in case you come in halfway through and you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Spud Carroll. Yeah. Am I in trouble? If you call me if you call me Shane, yeah, that's your, I feel like I'm in trouble. That's your you wife, Alana. You your wife, Alana, be telling you. Yeah. So, um, so Shane, true. in relation to this interview, I want to look at it from a different angle because we look at how well coached this team is and by Ivan and, and Cameron Seraldo and Peter Wallace and Andrew Webster and co. But there's this... There's this enthusiasm and energy about this side and this fitness and speed about this side that has blown many experts away, including myself, uh, over the last three years. And and you're a man, along with Hayden Knowles, who you took over from last year, that had a lot to do and has had a lot to do with that. It must be an absolute dream turning up every day to train and uh, train these, these group of young men. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Uh, very blessed to do the role. Um, mate, they're, they're an eager bunch. They're a really good age group. They're sort of in that mid-20s frame, so they're still young, but they're experienced, and they're eager to learn. And you say jump, these boys will say how high. They are a phenomenal bunch of kids that have come through together for a period of time. And as you said, yeah, it's absolute pleasure to be involved with them uh, and to train them, yeah. Their defensive line speed, which we com we comment on when we commentate the Penrith games about how fast it is and how how they get in the opposition's face and really overwhelm them, is is that something that's is it is that physical based? Is it in relation to their their conditioning, or uh, is it is it a, a focus from Ivan and the defensive coach Cameron Seraldo that? Um, but, but it's got to come from somewhere, and to be able to sustain it for long periods of time, Shane, is is it? the conditioning base that these players have got? Oh, it's certainly uh, a few variables in there. It, it, the, the conditioning plays its part, but it's also a requirement from the coaches. So we sit down with the coaches, and Cameron Serrato, as you know, has been our defensive coach for years and does a phenomenal job and probably been uh, the best defensive team three, three out of the last five years. So it certainly goes a long way to win the comp, as you know. But it, it's a combination between the fitness and what the coaches actually want them to do such as the line speed and the transitions, etc. So we sit down, we work it out together, uh, we come up with a plan and uh, we sort of bounce it off each other. So, yeah, it's certainly a combination of both. Now, Spud, Shane, you won a, um, you won a comp in 2005 with the West Tigers. You were a Panthers junior for many, many years before you made the switch in 2004. And I, I saw that 2005 West Tigers side, and many of the listeners will know also, the speed, the skill, the unpredictability that, you had in that premiership winning side. Did you see a lot of similarities? Uh, yeah, look, as I said before, they're, they're a great bunch. They're young, they're energetic, they, they love it. And they've come through as winners. Like, I don't, what, people, we're seeing the success now, but this was built five, four, five, six, seven years ago when they come through the grades. They come through, a lot of these players are local juniors and have come through Harold Mathis, Street Ball, Flag, etc. Uh, at different times. And 
they're just winners. And I think you just reflected back on 04 and 05 with the Tigers. It was the same with sort of Robbie and Liam, Fulton, etc. They all come through as winners with Bryce Gibbs. And then it's sort of the combination of the older heads that are around, the experienced guys and the young guys coming through. It just breeds. They just love winning. And it's just the culture. And it's come a long way. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's how it's evolved over time. And certainly over time. Now, a, a young man, I was so proud of him to get the, the Clive Churchill medal because he deserves it. He's had to fight tooth and nail to get people to respect him in his position, Dylan Edwards. But we keep hearing stories about about his levels of fitness, Shane. Is it is it what we're led to believe about how fit this young man is? Yeah, 100%. He's a machine. Dylan Edwards, every year he comes in, uh, whenever we start pre-season, uh, the joke of the sessions are who's going to give Dylan a run for his money. Uh, he's an ultimate pro. Uh, he just backs himself uh, week in, week out. He's, he's just the fittest in the club and always has been from memory. I can't remember anybody beating him in any of our tests, any of our runs. Um, he's just mentally tough, physically tough. Uh, and it shows in his performance. He's so underrated. I think people are slowly starting to realise just how good he can be. Um, and it's a credit to him. He does work extremely hard. Uh, and he's a tough bugger, and we love him. Yeah, well, you missed out on Australian selection, um, which, you know, there's still only a young man, but you did get Nathan Cleary, Liam Martin picked in that Australian side. Uh, Isaiah Yo as well. And But I want to focus on Liam Martin, the boy from Tamora, the rash they call him because of his hygiene. Now, you'd be so happy with this selection because it's really a personal connection for you, isn't it, and and your wife Alana and the family because you used to run the house that a lot of the young development players would come into and you've had a fair bit to do with his development. So his selection, I suppose, would bring a, a pretty big smile to your face. Oh, certainly. You know, we've had many – I had a seven-year period there with my wife Alana and family out of the house uh, when the kids relocated. I mean, they're not kids now. They're actually grown men and have kids of their own. But, you know, from the grand final team on the weekend, um, Isaiah Yo, Kikau, Fish, uh, Liam Martin, Dylan Edwards, etc., had all had a stint in our house. Uh, it, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Liam's mum, Maxine, was a little bit hesitant at the start. But when she sort of saw the surroundings and our, our sort of set up in the house, she was, she was obviously uh, happy with the decision. And Liam's just grown another leg. Um, you did mention his personal hygiene. Uh, look, he's not a he's not a dirty bugger, but he's uh, he's a bit of a jokester, and uh, he plays games with the boys, and they do take the, the piss out of him a little bit. Uh, and he takes pride in that of stirring people up. He is a pest. He's probably the biggest pest in the club, uh, but we love him. And he, he, you know, he full credit to him. He works extremely hard, and I think he, you know, he's, he's growing another leg. He's gone Origin now into the uh, World Cup squad, so he, no, he deserves it, mate. He's phenomenal. He's with, a great kid. With that house that both you and Alana um, were the hosts of for so many years, and you being there and, and done it before as well, Shane, and, and won competitions with, with the West Tigers, what were some of the, the constant messages that you were trying to – because we know that this generation don't like to listen to experts. They'd rather listen to their mates. But what's the constant message that you were trying to always get through to these young players when you see them on a day-to-day basis, having meals with them and you know, allowing them to go to training, school, uni, TAFE, whatever it may be? Uh, yeah, you're winding the clock back a little bit. Uh, we sort of left there maybe two years ago now, probably during the COVID period, but it was just more common sense and just work hard because it's all about opportunity. You know, these kids come, rugby league was their common goal. You know, we had kids from the country. We had kids from Queensland, New Zealand, etc. End of the day, it was just good family morals and uh, the common goal was rugby league. And just try your best because reality is 
you're probably not going to make it. But if you do, you're not going to be in it for that long. So just try your best, work hard, be a good person, and uh, you just never know what your limits are. So, and yeah, look, you obviously hear about all the successful kids that come through there, but there was obviously quite a few that didn't make it as well. Uh, end of the day, we just uh, we treated them all the same, and um, you know, hopefully they left better people. Hey, we're chatting to Shane Spud Elford, the high performance manager at the uh, at the Panthers. Uh, can I get on to more serious discussions here? Celebrations. Here we are, Tuesday night. Who's left? Who's around still? <laughs> Who's left? Okay, so the boys are actually doing their own thing at the moment. I believe they're they're possibly on a cruise somewhere. I'm just here. Oh God. The rugby league football manager Jason Wrigley still here. Coach Ivan Cleary, Peter Wallace. Uh, young sports scientist Jack and myself and Andrew Webster. That's all that's left. Yeah, we'll see. Two you. days in, uh, the veterans, let's call them. Imagine what that is. That cruise on the Nepean River. Yeah, the, the beautiful Nepean. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. The youngsters uh, actually don't know where they are. I don't want to know where they are. <laughs> yeah. good, uh, a couple of days, and they deserve it. They've been. Uh, <laughs> We had a really good stint uh, post-game uh, back at our facility, back at the club with our fans and family, uh, a few close sponsors, and now they're sort of doing their own thing, as we know, yeah, the World good Cup's on. on and good on. Good on we have players everywhere for every country, so it won't be long, yeah. Yeah, what a fantastic year. Oh, the other one I wanted to ask, uh, Top Gun seemed to be the theme of the celebration. The dog fights. Yeah, did, did, did the coaches get a name? Yeah, did, did you get a name, the Scott? Dog fights. <laughs> no, we didn't actually. Look, I don't know if this has been blown out. Uh, as you know, look, there's a little bit of fun, a little bit of a theme. You can't be uh, full on serious all the time. It basically uh, evolves. We sort of had a, a, a back end camp, sort of four, five, six weeks out from the comp, and we just thought, you know, it was Cameron Serraldo's idea. He comes up with uh, some great ideas in and around themes, and we just watched the movie, and it sort of evolved into sort of call signs and the boys got some names and we sort of ran with it. Um, I, I don't know if it's been blown out of proportion <laughs> or not, but it was just something we have a bit of fun with and uh, the boys have all got nicknames now and they run, but no, no staff got uh, no nicknames. I don't think there's any left by the time we went through the squad of 20, so but no, think, we had a bit of fun with Ivan it. Should be, Ivan should be quiff because he's got that mad quiff, that hair <laughs> at the front. And, and, um, and Shane's, <laughs> Shane should be, should be stretched because as a player, yeah. you've never seen a player stretch so much. And we could put his legs behind his head. It was ridiculous. Why would you need to put... It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, that's kinky. That's a kinky sort of spud. Hey, um, yeah, now, well, in, yeah, in relation to these celebrations, uh, Shane, who would be the first player home? Like, who would be the one that would moonwalk out the door and, and do a smoke bomb, not tell anyone that they're leaving? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know about uh, moonwalk and smoke bomb, but I reckon Marto was gone. Uh, I don't know if that was because of his hygiene and the boys just uh, <laughs> tied him up and left him, or he disappeared early. I don't know if it was a, a shock selection. He was in the uh, Australian squad, but he wasn't around very long. Mm. So I'm going to leave you with that one. It was definitely Liam Martin. He was yeah. gone early days. Now, uh, as I said earlier on, you took over from Hayden Knowles um, after the, the premiership last year, and uh, you worked alongside Hayden Knowles and the team there. D- did you... Trying to change too much from your observations with Hayden, who's one of the best in the business, and or did you try and put your own slant on it this year? And did you have to be different because you were going back to back? Yeah, it's a tough gig. Back to back hasn't been done uh, that often. And no, Hayden's phenomenal. Hayden did a really good job. Uh, he was here for I think three years prior, uh, sort of in and around the system. Uh, Ivan sort of asked me to take over once or Hayden left. Uh, you obviously put your own spin on it, but clearly things we were doing was working, so I didn't have to change too much. 
Um, we've got a great staff here. Everyone gets along really well. Um, as I said, a great mid-age sort of youngish squad numbers as well. So they're still fit. We're very, very lucky. I think uh, going into the grand final, we only had one player injured, which is Taylor May on the wing with his hamstring. Other than that, we're fully fit. And as you know, we sort of uh, had a week off and players were rested. So we're very, very lucky. Uh, things just went to plan. It doesn't happen often, but this year things went to plan. So yeah, I guess you got to take it and run with it. Yeah, that's phenomenal. The uh... The, the minimal injuries that you had. Now, just to finish off before we let you go, Shane Elford, uh, the music. Now, I'm thinking the music. Now, Shane Elford used to always blare Def Leppard. Um, oh, a bit of pour some sugar on me. Yeah, pour yeah, some nice. sugar in his, in, his <laughs> Commodore, in his Commodore back in the day. He said Def Leppard. Now, bites. I'm thinking the music that comes out of the uh, the speakers of Jerome Lewin Co. isn't your cup of tea. Did you say music? I don't know if it's music. It just sounds like hate. It's just people yelling, swearing, and I just think, oh, my God, I have a teenage daughter and son now myself. I'm like, oh, my God, where's the music gone? This can't yeah. be music. And they just bag me telling me I'm too old. So, you know what? It creates energy. The boys are just a ball of energy when they create it, and they they are who they are, and we love them for being themselves. So, uh, yeah, look, I don't think it's music, but... We, uh, you kind of get used to it, and you kind of by the end of the year you know the words. Well, as a trip, scary uh, <laughs> Shane Spud Elford, as a tribute to you and the coaches uh, at the Panthers, we're going to go to the break with a bit of pour some sugar on me from Def Leppard. Congratulations, <laughs> uh, congratulate uh, Ivan yeah, good. and the team for us, <laughs> mate. We've got to do a bit of pour some sugar on me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, mate. Let's get back to your beer. Too easy, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. The great race, John Bauer, leads us into the last corner. JB, how does it feel? You're the two-ish champion for 89. Unbelievable. Fancy doing that. You've done it. That's incredible, incredible feeling. Congratulations to you from all the viewers around Australia today. And Dick Johnson has actually broken into a big smile. <laughs> there you have it, John Bauer, who obviously drove in a lot of Bathursts with the great Dick Johnson. Dick, uh, I'm happy to say, is joining us on the line from Bathurst now. G'day, Dick. How you doing, guys? All right? Yeah, good, mate. Can, how many races at Bathurst did you team up with John Bauer for? Uh, 11. Uh, 10, I think. 9 or 10, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Because the last two I did... Yeah, I think it was ten because the last, the last two I did there was uh, with my son Steve. That's right, of course. You did yeah, too. of course. Mm. Steve works with us here at SCM. They were part of the staple diet, weren't they? Yeah, Johnson and Bow. They certainly were. Mm. Yep. Well, eleven years we spent, you know, together at Bathurst, so which was pretty. I think it was pretty unheard of, really. Certainly back then, and even today. Hey, Dick, it's like your grand final this weekend, like uh, we love in the in the NRL, and it was a wild and incident-filled opening day of practice at uh, Bathurst 1000 today. How did you see it? Well, mate, the weather can play some uh, really interesting tricks on us, uh, certainly around here. Like, like I've said to many people, there's, there's, you, you, you don't worry about things you've got no control over. The weather's one and my wife's the other, so it just <laughs> takes two of them and wet. We're fine, but um, and the weather's been fairly inclement here in the last day or so. Certainly, yesterday it was horrible. Uh, today it sort of fined up a little bit, but um, they're predicting a fair bit for uh, 
the next two days, and hopefully Sunday will be, um, you know, a good clear race. Hopefully. Nice. Now, Dick, um, enough about the racing. I saw you driving the brand-new Gen 3 Mustang around the track today, and it looks amazing. Can you tell us what can we expect from that beast? Well, goddamn, I only had three laps in it. Like, and I tell you what, I was only starting to um, to get myself organised, and and uh, then they say, oh, you've got to come in now. Well, yeah, thanks very much. They had, they had the vent in the window blowing blowing right in my face, which was, I had to close my eyes, so that, that made it a little easier, not, but um, I think that it's going to be a really, really good car, because I think it's it's really going to sort out uh, the, the younger drivers, that uh, really, uh, it probably suit the older drivers for the simple reason they drive a lot more like uh, the older cars. Yeah, nice. Hey, Dick, it's the 1,000th uh, race, it's milestone for for Dick Johnson Racing this weekend at Bathurst. You've had your team around you for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, I have, mate. And I think when you do a thousandth race, all you're doing it to is tell me I'm too bloody old. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it's all about. If you hang around the deal long enough, obviously these sort of records uh, are sort of made. And it's uh, from a team owner and and a... an ex-racing driver, I feel really proud that our team has has been around for that long and will continue to go into the future, I can assure you. So yeah. let's put it this way. While I'm alive, there's no one will ever pass us, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah definite survivors know that. Now, Bathurst brings out the best and the worst in, in everyone, um, whether you're a driver or whether you're a spectator. Some of the recollections of Bathurst, Dickie, whether it's on the course or off the course, some of the craziest or probably the weirdest things, the strangest things you've seen over the years? Well, like I'm proud to say now that Bathurst as as an event uh, sort of went belly up going back a number of years ago in the, in the late 90s and, and the early 2000s where uh, it got infiltrated by a group of uh absolute morons who used to do stupid things like burning cars and like it was a safe place to be but i'm very proud to say that now that has been cleaned up it is very much a family orientated uh, event and we, we see families more and more coming here every year and i think you know i feel proud to say that, uh, uh, that we've got our act together and and got rid of the riffraff and we don't need that sort of stuff around is it your favorite track dick <laughs> Two tracks that I enjoy most more than anything else is obviously this one here, which is Bathurst, and I don't think that the driver would say anything different. And the other one is Lakeside and Queensland, mate, because you've got to have balls to drive around both. Mm. Right, yeah. Now on the uh, on the big race and with the the conditions the way it is, what's the strategy? I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen, known as one of the most aggressive sort of drivers, is, does that harm his his strategy, or does that make him? an overwhelming favourite because he's willing to take risk in the rain. Well, they've got a good pairing between him and, you know, Garth Tander. Garth's a, you know, only been out of the seat for a year or so and and uh, he, he was a very accomplished driver. And and the same with young Brock Feeney and, and obviously uh, the guy that's driving with him is his team owner, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, and they're, they're going pretty well and they're very experienced, but... Um, 
Bathurst is one of those races where you, you can never bet on anyone a hundred percent because it's it's just it's, it changes so much with the especially if it's weather and things like that. It's just it changes like in a nanosecond and. You've only got to make the wrong move and put the wrong tyres on at the wrong time or something like that, and your race is done. So, mm. But in saying that, this race is always won in the last 30 laps. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's so incredible, you've got to, isn't you've it? You've got to yeah. be there. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big... You've got to be there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a you've big... You've got to be there and make sure your partner, your partner there is, is keeping the car in good shape for you, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, then in the last... 25 to 30 laps, that's when you pull your finger out and get into it. Mm. Well, mate, I'm a, I'm a big Will Davison fan, uh, Gold Coast boy, and, and spent a lot of, lot of time with Will. How's his form leading up to the race this week? Well, he's going really well. Wilbo is just, he's he's, re, he's born again. Like, yeah. like, it's like any, it doesn't matter what whether it's football team, whether it's a basketball team or anything, you're only as good as the people you've got around you. And He's got good people around him who he works very well with and stuff like that. And let me tell you, uh, he's just showing the ability the guy's got. He's doing a fabulous job. And so is Anton. It's just you've got to put all this stuff together and make sure that you make the right decisions on the day. Hey, Dick, going back to that audio we played from 1989 with John Bow and you both winning Bathurst, why aren't you driving the car last? Why aren't you taking all the glory? Why is bloody Bow getting all the glory? It's just the way it played out. It's just um, uh, I stuck him in the car at the start of the race, and he, he hated that because <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, that race I started it was the '94 race that that uh, he uh, he tried to hide because it was a little bit wet, <laughs> and uh, he didn't want to sort of get out because he he, he wears glasses, mate, and they fog up on him and all that sort of stuff. So it's, you know, go get some contacts or something, mate. Just get your stuff together. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we were a great, we were great partners you know, for a long, long time, and, absolutely. And uh, it's just the way the the game played out. You know, you just got to if if you're there at the at the end of the race and just say, well, you know, you're in the car, so be it. But uh, I was proud to say that at least at the end of my career, that uh, when I drove with my son Steve, that uh, yeah. I finished the race for the last time in 99. Well, listen, on the subject of Steve, I got to do the driver's seat with him last night. It's one of our shows here on SEN. And you can follow the podcast. Just look for that as well. Mate, he's got 23 hours in a day. I do a one-hour show with him last night, and he's eating pizza the whole time. Is he getting back out of shape again? And are you putting him to work this weekend? Well, he's working already. He's the DSO, which is the Driver Standards Observer for the Toyota 86s, so... Let me tell you, with, with the way those kids crash, he's got plenty of work on his hands, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> The, yes. the only thing, the only thing they don't normally hit is the bloody safety car. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, good luck. We wish you all the best uh, this weekend. Your thousandth race uh, for DJR. It's going to be a tricky one, as you say. A lot of rain this weekend. Uh, no doubt, it won't stop the fans from enjoying themselves on Ma- at Mount Panorama. Dick Johnson, you're a legend of the sport. You're a legend of good bloke. Except for when you send me a text about buying an electric car, we'll have a chat about that a little later. He abuse me, boys. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you can- you, you, no, can no, jam, no. you can jam those things. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got to use. 
you're going to use a petrol or diesel powered thing to charge a stupid thing. Like, why would you want something like that? All right. At least what you've just said now is cleaner than the text message you sent me anyway, Dick. Nice. Hey, listen, mate. <laughs> Best of luck this weekend, mate. And, and let's hope you get uh, the silverware on Sunday. I look forward to it, mate. And I've just been on a bus tour around the, the mountain and, and would you believe one of the passengers was John Bow? I can't believe <laughs> wow. it. I hope you charged him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he never said anything, mate, so he didn't He didn't own up to the fact that he sent me a text after we got off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck on. All right, nice. Dick Johnson, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. Last laugh with Scott Sattler. I can't believe I just wandered in. I, he's coming right in. He's going to do a set after me. The stage is yours. Do you know you hate hearing about your uh, your wife's exes and how many yeah. she had? And I, yeah. I, I learned today like, <laughs> that my wife has had sixty one exes before me, and because she calls me her sixty second lover. I <laughs> <laughs> gotta go. It's where you fake laugh, man. Really bad. They're really bad, man. Sixty second lover. Yeah. I must be the thirty second. My <laughs> wife. Anyway, it's time for the last laugh with Scott Sattler. I can't believe I just wandered in. I, he's coming right in. He's going to do a set after me. The stage a is yours. A friend of mine's son came to me and said, "I need some advice about this new girl I'm seeing." He said, "She." So what? Tell me something about. It. He said, "Well, she came home the other day in a white suit. She was covered in bee stings and smelling like honey." I said, "Well, she's a keeper." I like it. On Sports Day, it's time for the last laugh with Scott Sattler. He says, I can't believe I just wandered in. I, he's coming right in. He's going to do a set after me. The stage is yours, This is actually isn't a joke. Got, this is a true Scott? story, okay? Oh, when I have a few drinks, I always get, get into you know, weird things happen to me. I had a few drinks too many the other night. I went to the toilet during the night and went back to bed. And I said to my wife, it's funny, when I go to the toilet, the light comes on without me even turning it on. When I leave, the room turns off. When I've had too much to drink, like, if I've got some superpowers, she goes, oh, you've pissed in the fridge again. Oh, <laughs> oh Scott. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. A Racing Queensland update. The Queensland Spring Carnival is here. Check out racingqueensland.com.au for more details. Oh, here we go. Another big weekend of racing in the Spring Carnival. I just I want to clarify this too before we move forward. Mm. Uh, so everyone takes time in celebrating their Spring Carnival in spring. Is that right? So Queensland goes first and then it moves down south. Is that right? That's right. I'm asking Chris Nelson, not you. We haven't actually... Introduced him yet? So. Oh, hello, Chris. Oh, sorry, so Chris. Oh, anything, oh, sorry. Here he is, Chris Nelson. Everybody. Now, Chris, is that right? So you can't you, uh, you can't celebrate the spring carnival for the entirety of spring. You, you get a chunk of it. No, well, well, yeah, that's right. And look, we never used to have a spring carnival up here in Queensland. It was just all and spring carnival. Early part of it was Sydney, and then the latter part of it was was Melbourne, and we really didn't have much at all. But uh, everyone's just sort of it's it's not. It's not for the whole of spring. It's just, uh, you know, spring carnivals and good races for, for us, you know, four to six weeks. 
whereas down south they continue on a lot longer. So it's just a, a bit of a right. highlight and a you know a bit of a, a reason to get to the races. So when is our summer carnival? Is this a stupid question? Does the summer carnival start first of December? If you ask yourself, is it a stupid question? You no. regularly it is a stupid question. Well, we started our spring <laughs> carnival before spring started, so that's why I'm asking the question. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, what was the question again? It went, start on the 1st of December? Uh, no, it the, doesn't. It starts in November. Right, there you go. That's what I wanted to find out. Thank you very much, mate. And all right, let's move on. Uh, racing, weekend of racing. Uh, lots on this weekend. Yeah, lots of meetings this weekend, of course. Eagle Farm's our feature up uh, here with the Gold Coast as well. And uh, we've got the Warwick Cup on today. We mentioned yesterday on Saturday afternoon. We're looking forward to that one. Uh, hang Sunday, on. Sunday, of course, at the Sunshine Coast. I think they've renamed mm-hmm. it. I just got a, a media release coming through. It's called the Warwick Cupper. Oh. Okay, move on. <laughs> oh, God, how bad is that? That's pretty bad. Mm. <laughs> Continue. Keep going, Chris. Keep going. Continue. <laughs> the Warwick Cupper. Yeah, well, we get anyway, it. Anyway. Uh, we get it. As in Warwick yeah. Kappa. Yeah, we, Kappa. Yeah, we you don't have to explain one. it. It's just horrible. Keep going, Chris. Uh, yes, and of course, all the great racing down south over the weekend, uh, Caulfield Guineas Day in Melbourne is always one of the best days racing of the entire year. What about tips? Now, I want something like you gave us last week, the $18 at, at Toowoomba. Well, I can't give you one that price, but I have got one at a bit of value there for you, Sats. Race mm-hmm. five at Eagle Farm, number three, on point. Uh, for Rob Heathcote, uh, only a filly having start number four. She looks pretty good. She's she's around double figures, so you could have something on her each way. Uh, she was good at the Sunshine Coast last time. She only beat four rivals, but she did it really easily, and she looked uh, like she had a lot left in the tank at the end. So I think she can go on and, uh, and race well on Saturday, race five, number three. And the other race, nine, number two, Shamrock Lou. Tony Gollan uh, trains this one. There's a lot of speed in this race. Shamrock Lou just sits off and lets them all go and then has the last crack and should be able to run home over the top of them. He loves Eagle Farm and he loves the 1,000 metres. So race five, number three, and race nine, number two. Mm. And I'll throw in one for Sunday, if I may, guys, at mm. the Sunshine Coast. When we're all looking for that winner, come the last race on Sunday afternoon, number 10, race seven, number 10, Sabalenka. Uh, Rob Heathcote again. Jimmy Orman will ride. Got too far back out of her ground last time out, but she ran on really well. Uh, she won't be as far back this time, and she'll take a lot of beating. Race 7, number 10. Now, Nelson, I've got to go to Caboolture, uh Sunday week. And mm-hmm. My daughter's dancing. I have no zero. I have zero interest. <laughs> zero interest in watching all the dance mums. Yep. You know, and my daughter doesn't want me there because I'm a pain in the backside. Should be, uh, is there a nice uh, drinking hole in Caboolture we could have a, a schooner in? Uh well, I, re- I reckon there would be probably more than one or two there in Caboolture, but I don't go to Caboolture. I drive right past it. I'm a Bruce. I don't really go. Well, you'll be coming. I take the turn off to Caboolture. If, but, I'm, uh, if I'm being... Well, if I I'm won't being, be coming. If, oh. if I'm being tortured, you're being tortured. I can tell you I have been down that path of the daughter <laughs> dancing and I've done my time. Now it's your turn. Uh, Queensland, Never again. Queensland Spring Carnival is here. It's not down south. Check out racingqueensland.com.au for more details. Thanks for clarifying my uh, dumb questions, mate. Oh, happy to anytime, Jase. Rightio, this has been Off the Bench for your weekend. Uh, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Sports Day back uh, Monday nights from 6 o'clock uh, Eastern Daylight Saving Time or Standard Time 5 o'clock if you're in Queensland. Uh, Sats will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. See ya.